0: Principal Matters Podcast, Episode Four. Hi, I'd like to welcome you back to Principal Matters Podcast, the School Leaders Podcast with William D. Parker. You can see all of the content that I have for school leaders at williamdparker.com. If you didn't catch the first few episodes of this podcast, please check it out at iTunes. Just look for Principal Matters Podcast, or check out my website, and you can see all the previous episodes there as well. Each week, my goal is to provide motivation, courage, inspiration, and action for school leaders who want to improve the way they serve their school communities. So thank you so much for joining me today. Last time that we were together, we talked about the motivation and the purpose involved in school leadership. And much of the content that I'm sharing with you is also found in a book that I released uh, last year called Principal Matters, The Motivation, Courage, Action Needed for School Leadership. You can check it out at Amazon.com or you can check it out at my website. In our last episode, I shared with you ideas that help keep me motivated in my school leadership and ideas that can help you stay motivated to understand the purpose behind what you do in serving your school community. This week, I want to talk about something a little different. This isn't content that's actually found in my book. I wanted to share with you a story That I've never shared publicly until just this past weekend when I spoke to a group of school leaders at a dinner in Oklahoma City. I was able to share my book with them there, but I wanted to share a story with them that was a little more personal about my own background and how my story can connect to what we're doing today as school leaders. So uh, just bear with me for a little bit. I, I don't often share things that are as personal as I'm sharing in today's podcast, and so I hope that this story can somehow resonate with uh, some some listeners out there i grew up in west tennessee and my parents raised six children there on a small farm in the middle of nowhere. Uh, Gravel roads and winding creeks and swampy bottoms and large fields and rambling woods, those were the places uh, that became my playground. And We were so rural that when my dad built the basement home where we lived for a while, at first we had no electricity and no running water. We fetched our water from a spring and... Eventually, Dad installed all those things, but we lived for a long time even without a telephone, and we didn't even have a mailbox until I was in college. Um, my dad was also in the Navy in, in part of my growing up years, so there was a time that we did move to New York and then Virginia and then back to Tennessee, but the but the farm that we have there in Tennessee is still ours today, and my mom and dad are, are there now. Uh, when I was seven years old, we had a litter of pigs, and my dad let us bring the runt of that litter into our house and bottle feed it. Um, My sister, who was four years old at the time, uh, affectionately named this pig Bacon. And Bacon grew up to be the strongest and the smartest pig in our lot. He also became an escape artist. In fact, Um, He partnered up with another farm animal, a goat that we had, who we called Billy Butt. And Billy Butt earned his name because he would butt anyone who was near him. And one day he made the mistake of butting my mom down a hill where she was fetching water from the spring, uh, which caused my dad later to trade him for, uh, actually for a one-eyed Shetland pony that we called Old Faithful because anytime you tried to ride him, he was faithful to throw you onto the ground. Um, But but I digress. Uh, Before we got rid of Billy Butt, Bacon, the pig, and Billy Butt, the goat, uh, started making grand escapes together. And one day, they escaped to the neighboring farm of a man named uh, Roger Teague. And Roger came over to the house and told my dad, and my dad drove to his farm. And Roger told my father, I've locked uh, your pig up in one stall, and I've locked the goat up in the other stall. And so when they went in the barn, uh, Daddy opened the stall where Bacon was supposed to be, and it was empty. And so Roger turned and found the stall where Billy Butt was. And when he opened it, Bacon had somehow escaped into the lot, into the stall with, with Billy Butt. Uh, he was incredible at getting out of things. Um, it wasn't long after that that we traded old Billy Butt, and Bacon was now on his own for his escapes. And my dad installed a, um electric wire around the bottom of our pig lot fence. We had a woven wire fence lot, and... Built uh, and Bacon was the only one who was escaping, but Dad thought this electric wire would keep him in, but Bacon was pretty smart. He began to root up dirt um, onto this wire until it was short out, and then he would s- squeeze his way under the fence, and off he would go. And so one day he made it all the way across our farm and into a neighboring farmer's uh, peanut field. This farmer's name was Slick Holland, and this time when Dad brought Bacon home, he had the talk with him. And it went something like this, Bacon, if you get out of that pen one more time, I'm going to have to shoot you. And so we knew when dad uh, gave his notice to uh, a farm animal that he was always a man of his word. Well, it was just a few days later when he would have to uh, prove that he kept his word because Slick came pulling his truck into our gravel driveway and a cloud of red dust was surrounding his truck and he stepped out. I can still remember I was just a boy, but I was playing in the yard and I could see him in the distance as he met my father in the yard and he was waving his arms and he was obviously upset and soon I saw my dad turn and walk into the house and when he came out, he was carrying a twenty-two rifle and a butcher knife and we loaded up our uh, the whole family and we drove to Slick's farm and when we got there, Bacon was in with Slick's herd of pigs in this big lot that he had in the uh, in the middle of a field. It was a tall woven wire fence uh, with a railing at the top, and I can still remember being too short to to see over it, but I could look through it and Daddy leaned his rifle across the top rail of the fence for good aim, but Bacon was huddled in the back, all you could see was his ears. Now, my dad was a crack shot. He uh, had grown up with a father who was a hunter, and my dad was a good uh, shot with a gun. He always would kill a farm animal by shooting it right between the eyes. And I can still remember my dad saying, I can't see his eyes. I, I can't get a good shot. And slick son, Jimmy, who was standing there, said, Well, just shoot him behind the ear, J.D., and you'll kill him just the same. And my dad said, Well, I've never shot one behind the ears, but I'll try. So he rested his gun on the railing, and he squinted through his glasses and the next thing i heard was the sharp blast of that 22 rifle sounding and i saw bacon hit the dirt now what i saw next i wouldn't have believed unless i had actually been there but bacon's legs began to kick and jerk until he was pushing himself up and soon he was running full blast somehow with the 22 bullet behind his ears and he hit that fence and crawled up that fence to the top leaped over that rail Landed on the other side, and he was off across the field beyond. By this time, everyone was shouting and running, and Daddy was trying to catch up with him, and he finally did. And it was soon all over for bacon. Now, a few days later, my mom made a big breakfast, and uh, we were sitting there eating, and my grandmother came down to visit. And when she came in, she saw my little sister's plate, and uh, Catherine, who was four, and she said, Catherine, that sure is a good plate of eggs and sausage you're eating. And Catherine said, No, Grandma, I'm eating eggs and bacon. But Grandma said, No, honey, this is eggs and this is sausage. And Catherine said, No, Grandma, this is bacon. And Grandma said one more time, Well, sweetheart, that meat is called sausage. And my sister said, without batting an eye, No, ma'am, I'm eating bacon, the pig. Now, you're probably wondering why in the world on a school leader's podcast would I take time to tell you such a silly story about my childhood? But the reason I decided to tell that story the other night at this dinner and the reason I'm telling it to you today is that when I was a boy in school, I didn't know it at the time, but my siblings and I um, were on free and reduced lunches. We came from a family that fell into the level of what, in those days, and even today, would be considered uh, poverty. And we were what today's standards would have called at-risk children. Um, I was pulled out of class the first couple of years that I was in school by a reading specialist because I struggled with my reading. Um, I knew that I was loved and I was cared for. I had no idea that I was a k- kid who needed extra assistance or kid who may have been on someone's title one reading list or title one lists because I came from a family that didn't have as much as others. So I'm no, I don't tell you that to make you feel sorry for me. I just want to tell you this for this reason. Um, I was not the kind of student that any teacher in my classes would have predicted would become an educator or a school principal. Uh, I was not the kind of kid that anyone would have ever expected and would, would write a book or be speaking on school leadership. Now that i 've had the privilege to be an educator i 've found a passion in teaching i found a passion in school leadership, and none of this would be ha- would, would be possible except for the people who 've invested in me my parents, my teachers, my school leaders, my church and so I want to remind you of something today that the work that you do is so often being invested in people. And you have no idea what the returns are going to be. Um, People invested in me just like you're investing in people today, just like you're investing in the students in your school. People like Rita Owen invested in me when she encouraged me um, to take my first advanced English class, when she recognized that I'd become such a good reader. Mrs. Owen uh, in middle school um, invested in me. People like my teacher Desmond Adams who taught me more about life than he did about mathematics and who cared enough to pull me out of the cafeteria when I was getting behind in my grades to have me sit in his room at lunchtime and catch up on my reading and on my quizzes. People like my principal, Charles Kate, who did administer to me corporal punishment when I deserved it back in the day when that was still legal and allowed, and but he was also there at every basketball game that I played cheering me on. People invested me, just like you, you take the time to teach, you take the time to mentor, you take the time to coach, you take the time to correct, and you take the time to guide. See, the small successes that each of us have experienced are really the direct result of the time and energy that others have invested in us. So today I want to remind you one more time that what you do in school leadership really Matters. Let me give you three reminders of why what you do matters. Number one, I just want to remind you again that what you do requires courage. Someone has to make the tough calls. And when you are willing to face something, even when it's fearful and do what's right, you are a person of courage. Second, I want to tell you one more time that you are not alone. Uh, One of the reasons I do this podcast is I want to remind school leaders that we are networking together to make things better for our schools. So whether that's through Twitter or whether that's joining an association or whether that's just reaching out to someone across the office from you or whether it's picking up the phone and calling one another, there are many others who are investing time just like you are. Don't forget that you're not in this alone. And number three, I want to tell you today in case someone hasn't, thank you on the behalf of kids like me who needed people to invest in them. Uh, and who needed someone to touch uh, his life, thank you. Thank you for the countless lives that you're touching through your tools and your resources and creating safe environments and opportunities for kids to learn and kids to grow. So from someone who was one of those kids who had some struggles and needed additional assistance and didn't even know it, um, I want to thank you for taking the time to prepare kids like me Um, to become adults who now can give back to others. See, because my story isn't unique. All of us have benefited from the talents and the expertise and the service of other people. And today you're serving in your school community in a way that is significant and important. Don't underestimate the power of what you're doing, because what you're doing really does matter. I just want to say thanks again for taking time to listen Um, If you could go over to iTunes and give me some kudos there, that will help this show be noticed by others. And if you want more information about school leadership or resources that I recommend, please visit my website at williamdparker.com. I'm so excited about sharing with you the next time we get a chance. I hope you have a great day.